This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You're listening to The Reinvention Project with Jim Rome Podcast. Welcome to episode 11 of the Reinvention Project with Jim Rome. I literally cannot wait to hit play on this conversation. In fact, this conversation is the reason I took this project on in the first place, to connect with and learn from those who, frankly, have gone places physically, emotionally, and mentally that I didn't even know existed, that I could not begin to fathom. And this week's guest, Amy Purdy, personifies all of that. Now, full disclosure. I've spent the better part of the last couple of decades interviewing and speaking with some of the world's most interesting athletes, entertainers, and achievers in many different walks of life, and I love it, and I'm enthusiastic, and I look forward to virtually every last one of these conversations. However, a few times a year, I go into a particular conversation a little bit differently, just being real here, but sometimes I'm so awestruck by a person's story or their strength or their outlook, perspective, or courage that I not only want to meet and speak with them, but I really want to connect somehow. I want to be as close to that magic as possible because I want to learn about what exactly it is. I want to be as close to that magic as possible because I want to learn about what it is exactly and where it comes from. Because while we all are unique in our own way, folks like Amy are truly rare. And I'm not overstating this when I say, I'm not sure I've ever spoken to somebody like Amy, somebody with her grit, Grace, tenacity, creativity, inspiration, courage, intellect, and perspective. Frankly, I'm not sure when I will talk to somebody like that again. Amy is an absolute force of nature, a Paralympian, a world-class athlete, a motivational speaker, best-selling author, podcaster, and simply one of the most amazing people I have ever spoken to. In short, I cannot wait for you to listen to this, and if you're like me, you're going to want to listen to it over and over and over again. This is episode 11 of The Reinvention Project with our exceptional guest, Amy Purdy. Amy, I want to be so professional in how I handle this and how I say this, but I cannot tell you how happy I am to meet you and how pleased I am that you decided to spend some time with us here on the Reinvention Project, although we have never spoken. And I don't think I've ever actually started an interview like this. I just want to say this right off the top. I think you're amazing. And really, quite simply, I think you kick ass, Amy. I think I'm so thrilled to talk to you if you cannot tell. How are you today? And so nice to have you. (laughs) I'm doing great. I, that was a fantastic intro. Thank you so much. <laughs> I mean that sincerely. I, I really do. And I, like I said, I'm not sure how professional that was having done this as long as I have, but I am so thrilled to have this conversation. Like your story is so unbelievable and there are so many things I want to ask you about and you have so much insight to share, but I want to be very mindful of your time and I'm going to jump right into it. Some of our listeners certainly know your story. Some do not. So let me start here. I've heard you talk about the three versions of Amy. So as an example, what did version one look like? Yeah, I, so actually version one was um, until I was 20 years old. What's really interesting is these versions are all split up by 20 years. Mm. And so from the time I was born until I was 20 years old, actually until I was 19, 
I, um, I was, you know, just your normal kid. I lived up, I lived in Las Vegas and born and raised. I don't know if that's actually that normal. It, not many people are born and raised in Las Vegas, but grew up in Las Vegas. And, um, and I wasn't really an athlete, to be honest. I did no sports growing up. Didn't think I'd necessarily go on to be an athlete, but I loved nature. I loved traveling. So that was my goal was to travel the world and live in beautiful places. Um, and then version 2.0 hit when I was 19 years old and I contracted something called meningococcal meningitis out of the blue. We have no idea how I got it, but due to this little microscopic bacteria over the course of two and a half um, months, I ended up losing my spleen. I lost my kidney function. I lost the hearing in my left ear. And due to the septic shock that my body went into, I ended up losing both my legs below the knees. However, I went on to really spend the last 20 years uh, figuring out what the possibilities are, um, making legs to snowboard in, going on to become a three-time Paralympic medalist, truly trying to figure out the, the possibilities and, uh, and, and living my greatest dreams, checking things off my bucket list. And then... I did that for 20 years. And then all of a sudden I got hit with an injury about two years ago. And I am now kind of not necessarily starting over again, but really trying to decide, you know, now what's next because of this injury, I'm not chasing my dreams and following the possibilities in the way that I was before, at least not physically. So now I'm having to kind of reinvent myself again. And so it's really been this, um, to be honest, as challenging as it's all been, it's also been a fantastic journey because each one of these versions have taught me so much about myself and how I want to live my life. I mean, it truly is amazing, Amy, that you could actually share all three versions in an answer like that and be as succinct and concise. Listen, we are all feeling stress right about now. Don't let the stress, though, of daily life weigh on your body. Whether you're an elite athlete or somebody like me just trying to make it through the day tension-free, Theragun can help. I am absolutely in love with this device. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power, and it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good, it gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. So whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out or an injury or just the stresses of everyday life, there is no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. This product is amazing. And it's trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, and hundreds of thousands of customers and me. I'm telling you. I absolutely love it. Try it yourself. Try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash Rome right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. Once again, theragun.com slash Rome, R-O-M-E. Theragun.com slash Rome. I love this product. I know you will too. If we were to go back to when you were 19 and this was happening, I mean, you might not, and amazing that you became such an amazing athlete that you say that you were not that athletic growing up, but what you were, you were healthy and you didn't have any issues whatsoever. The episode that led to this, exactly what happened that night? 
Yeah. And, and I was very healthy and thank God for that because that's how I survived everything. So I, even though I wasn't an athlete, I loved working out. I worked out every day. In fact, I was borderline obsessed. I didn't miss a day of working out because it made me feel so good. And really I started working out when I was 12 years old. I, I, I wasn't an athlete, but now looking back, I think I would have been a pretty incredible athlete had I have gotten into athletics at a younger age, but I, um, I just wanted to travel the world and didn't quite know what I wanted to do with my life yet. If I wanted to go to college and I became a massage therapist because I figured, well, I could travel the world with this job and all I needed were my hands and my massage table by my side and I could go anywhere. And suddenly uh, my life took a detour. I went to work one day. I was working at this incredible spa in Las Vegas, a huge world-class spa. And I started to feel sick at about probably three massages in. So normally I could work a full day and, and, and have enough energy to go to the gym afterwards. But this, this day I was just exhausted. I was so fatigued and, and my back was a bit achy and my neck was achy. And I was thinking, well, maybe I have the flu. So I decided to go home from work early. And that night I had a temperature of 101. So that's typical flu-like symptoms. The next morning, my temperature actually broke. So my family went out of town. I thought I was okay. I thought I had a 24 hour flu. Um, but at one point I fell asleep and I tried to wake up over and over. I was forcing myself awake and I could not wake up. And suddenly I fell into the deepest sleep I've ever felt. And then out of nowhere, I heard this voice say, Amy, get up and look in the mirror. And this voice was so startling that it instantly woke me up. I looked around. I didn't see anybody there. But as I was sitting up, I started to realize something was really wrong. My heart was beating out of my chest. Um, I was so weak. I was so shaky. I scooted to the edge of the bed and I put my feet on the floor and I stood up and I realized that I couldn't feel my feet. And I looked to the floor. I saw that my feet were purple and I looked at my hands. I saw that my hands were purple. And I looked at my reflection in the mirror. I saw my nose, my chin, and my cheeks were purple as well. And it was that moment that I knew I was dying. Luckily, my cousin walked in. My mom had called her to come check on me. And she took one look at me and she cried, oh my God, Amy, it looks like you're dead. And I said, I I'm dying. I'm dying. I know I am. So she rushed me to the emergency room. Uh, they didn't know what I had right off the bat, but they called my parents. They told them that I had a, a raging infection in my blood system. My white blood count was through the roof. And they, get, they gave me only two hours left to live because my heart rate had, uh, my heart rate was up. My blood pressure had crashed. I was in full septic shock by the time I entered the hospital. And, um, and at one point the surgeon actually told my, my mom, I, I've never seen anybody pull out of kidney failure like this before. And so my whole family came in and, and was told to say their goodbyes. And I remember that moment and, and how surreal that moment was and, and being completely out of control of my life. Well, I ended up going into a coma. Um, I flatlined multiple times, had to have the, the heart uh, rhythm kind of shocker come in and shark, shock my heart back into rhythm. And, um, and yeah, I, I ended up waking up about two weeks later 
and realized that my feet were in big trouble because I had gone into septic shock. And so my feet were uh, losing circulation uh, horribly. And the bottoms of my feet were black. The tops of my feet were purple. And my hands were just as bad as my feet. And so uh, now came the fight to, to save my legs, which we did. Uh, we did everything we could while we were in the hospital. But at the same time, I was also very weak. I was in multiple organ failure. It comes to find out that we thought that I had the flu initially, but it took about a week to figure out that what I had was men uh, meningococcal meningitis. No idea how I got it, but very deadly bacteria that uh, just once it gets into your blood system, it shuts everything down within hours. And so it was a race against time for, for quite some time in the hospital there. But, you know, I survived and I was incredibly grateful I survived. And that's that's a lot of what helped me get through. I mean, Amy, it, it truly is one of the most terrifying things that I've ever heard in my entire life. I mean, when you say that you heard a voice and that voice was saying to you, you have to get up, get up, look in the mirror, who or what was that voice from and what would have happened if you didn't hear it or react to it? You know, I think about it a lot and I, I have got to believe that that voice was a divine intervention, right? I'm not quite sure who it was. I would say it's a mixture. It, it was a mixture of my own voice and a thought. So I didn't hear somebody else's voice, but it was enough of a, it was enough of a startling uh, statement that I woke up and looked in the mirror and so crazy that that happened because I absolutely believe if it didn't happen, I would have died. In fact, with meningitis, with uh, bacterial meningitis, with what I had, a lot of times people do die at home because you think you have the flu. There's people who even go to the emergency room and, and the doctors might say, yeah, you have the flu because there's no other symptoms. They go home and they die because it happens that quick with it. It's such a bad bacteria. It just, it multiplies very, very quickly in your system. So, so I have no doubt that had I have not gotten up and looked in the mirror, I'm sure my cousin would have come over and she would have seen me sleeping and probably thought that I was sleeping, right? But I was actually, you know, not, <laughs> not alive anymore. And so mm. definitely, I think, uh, you know, I mean, that voice saved me. Wall Street has been lying, literally lying for years, saying the 7% is a good return on our stocks. You know what? It's not. It just isn't. They also want you to believe that trading is so complex that you need a financial advisor also wrong. You don't. Real people are making 30%, 50%, even 100% a year on their money trading stocks, even when the market is rough. Carnivore Trading is an anonymous team of elite Wall Street strategists. They are legends among Wall Street heavy hitters, and now they've gone rogue. They're allowing everyday folks to see and mirror their explosive trades. Normally, when something sounds too good to be true, it is, but not in this case. Carnivore will let you see the trades they're making right now for free. What you want to do is go to GetOurTrades.com and use the promo code ROAM and get two weeks for free. And if you join, Carnivore guarantees they will get you five times your subscription fee or they're going to double your money back. Like, how do you beat that? You can't. 
Go to getourtrades.com, promo code Rome. Again, getourtrades.com, promo code Rome. See website for guaranteed terms and conditions. Past performance, not a guarantee of future earnings. I mean, Amy, like I named this podcast The Reinvention Project because I really am on this, quote, journey of reinvention. And then I talked to you and it just seems so absurd that I would host a podcast called The Reinvention because what am I trying to reinvent? You know, uh, myself, my brand, my mindset. It just seems so absurd when you consider what you're saying. What you're saying is in one moment, in one second, you are this vibrant, healthy 19-year-old. And the next thing you know, you're fighting for your very life. And then you come to and you wake up. And then what, what happened? You've, you've lost parts of both legs. You've lost your spleen. You've lost your kidney function. You've lost hearing in one ear. And yet you come out of this and you think to yourself, and I'm sure not right away, but I need to creatively reimagine a life. I need to reinvent. Where did you even start? And what was that process like? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, nothing can prepare you for what I went through. I mean, nothing could have prepared me. And in fact, if somebody had told me that at the age 19, I was going to lose my legs and my kidneys and my spleen and the hearing in my left ear, I would have said, there's no way I could handle that. Right. But it happened. It happened. And when I woke up from the coma that I was in and I realized that I was going to lose my legs and that my life had changed forever, you know, there's something about being in survival mode that kind of cuts the emotions off a little bit. I didn't cry, um, believe it or not. I didn't cry about losing my legs. It really was to save my life. And I'll tell you, that puts everything into perspective. So I was very close to losing my hands as well. And when I didn't lose my hands, my hands started to recover after we amputated my legs. They said, your legs first, and then we'll amputate your hands. But my hands started to recover. I felt so incredibly blessed. Honestly, I thought, I thought things could have been so much worse. I only lost my legs, my kidneys, my spleen, and the hearing in my left ear. I could have lost my hands. And I know that that sounds crazy because a lot of people would think losing your legs and your kidneys and all of that would be like the worst thing in the world. And, and in ways, of course, I mean, it, it, you can't really wrap your mind around it, but when you have perspective, it changes everything. And my perspective was it could have been so much worse. So it really started with gratitude and my life had changed so drastically. I mean, there was no way to really look back. If I did look back, it was like, clearly I'm not going that way. Clearly nothing's going to change by looking back. So I really forced myself to try to focus on first of all, what I have right now, and this is even when I was in the hospital, I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful to be alive, to go through the the depths of life and to experience what I've experienced and to pull through. And then also to visualize really my future and visualizing and daydreaming just became a huge tool for me um, moving forward in my life because I really had nothing else, right? I was laying in a hospital bed And uh, I couldn't do much else to feel good or feel in control of my life. But what I could do 
is think about, okay, so how am I going to live my life now? How do I want to step back into the world? What is this going to look like? I had never met anybody who had two prosthetic legs before. Didn't even know what to expect. Didn't know what the possibilities were at all. You know, we didn't have Paralympians on TV like we do these days. And so I was kind of on my own, but what I did have was my imagination. And I remember laying in bed in the hospital bed and seeing myself just kind of daydreaming about snowboarding again, because I loved it so much. And even though I wasn't an athlete growing up, snowboarding was a passion of mine. And so I, I remember laying in bed and just, just thinking, you know, I want to snowboard again. How am I going to do that? And, and I fell into the deepest daydream where I didn't just see myself doing it. I didn't just see myself carving down this mountain of powder. I visualized it. I felt it. I actually felt it. And I felt my heart beating out of my chest. I was so excited. I felt adrenaline pumping through my body. And it was in that moment that I knew that I would do it again. I just didn't know how. I just didn't know how. But, you know, I took that feeling that I had inside of me and moved forward with it that, okay. I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I, I can feel it in my heart and in my soul that I will, uh, I will find a way. And really, I think my mission in life a lot of times and through everything I've done and, and accomplished has been to always find a way. And that challenge, it is motivating. If, if you look at your obstacles instead of these, you know, these uh, kind of roadblocks, and instead look at them as truly a challenge. There's opportunity and challenge. This is a challenge for me to figure out a way to do the things I love again. And I kind of, I kind of took that and ran with it. I, I, I just have chills listening to this, Amy, and I'm sure that's not the first time you've heard that, but what I'm hearing from you is you need to have gratitude. And what I'm hearing from you is visualization has been such a major thing in your life. But I want to ask you this, when you're sitting in that hospital bed, it's one thing to visualize it. It's another thing to feel it. It sounds like you could feel it in your soul, in your bones, in your DNA. And what I'm curious is, did that just come to you or can you learn to summon that type of feeling and can you summon it over and over it again until it does become a part of you? Yeah, I'm glad you asked because I'll tell you at that time, it just came to me. So I think that's probably the first time I really experienced this, you know, this deep level of visualization. And then also then to go on and snowboard and to go on and, you know, win Paralympic medals and, and do exactly what I saw in that vision. It makes me realize just how important that practice is. And as an athlete, you visualize a lot, uh, you know, over the last, uh, gosh, 10 years of being a Paralympic snowboarder, visualize that visualization became a huge key in even getting through every competition. I mean, I'm a snowboarder. I, I race in snowboarding and we have a course that we go down. That's maybe a minute and a half long. And in that course, there's all types of obstacles. There's jumps, there's berms, there's little, there's really challenging little spines. There's huge jumps at the end. There's all these obstacles, probably 20, maybe 30 obstacles in a course. And you really have to visualize them to be able to know what you're, what's coming up. And so, yeah, I mean, visualizing it, it's something that I think we all um, should do and we all don't do enough. And 
it's kind of the idea that you're creating a roadmap. Maybe you don't know where you're going yet, or you don't know how you're going to get there, but you know where you want to be, right? And just holding on to that, being able to feel, being able to feel it. Um, I always say, if you can see it and you believe it and you feel it, then you can achieve it. The feeling part is so key. And recently I've been really practicing it quite a bit. And where I start and where I tell a lot of people to start is start with the feeling. So if you close your eyes and you take a deep breath and you get this feeling, you you think about a feeling that makes you feel good. What does it feel like or what has it felt like to you know, live your best moment, like go back, go back to a highlight in your life and see yourself doing that. And, and remember what that feels like, right? You get this, like feel this elevated feeling of excitement and joy about your life when you're doing something you love, or when you think about something you love. So put yourself in that spot, think about a highlight and feel it. And then now think about where you want to be. What does it look like? What does it look like to be living your best life? Where are you? Think about the details, right? Are you on a beach? Are you with your family? Are you on stage speaking? Think about where it is you want to be, but bring that elevated, excited, you know, just loving life feeling with it. And then, then it's like when you can feel that and see it at the same time, I feel like that's where the magic happens because that's when you go, okay, I can do this, or at least I think I can do this. So now I'm going to try. And then you just think of a couple goals, you know, literally one baby, baby goal you can start today to get closer to that vision. And it's just one little baby step at a time. And, and I think, Amy, what's so important is it's not easy, right? It's like anything else. It's like a muscle. You need to learn how to do this. You can learn how to do it with practice, I would imagine. And then you get stronger and stronger and stronger. In terms of the process, I mean, is it something that you start your day with? Is it 15 minutes? Is it 30 minutes? Does it depend on the day itself? What exactly is the process and practice for doing what you're talking about? You know, I, it, I love personally morning or night you know, to to kind of bookend your day with it. Because if you start your day at the mercy of everything else, right? You wake up, you get on social media, then all of a sudden your emails are going, then all of a sudden people are calling you, you're just kind of out of control of your day. You have no idea where it's going, right? But if you can start in the morning, I mean, even for 10 minutes, even if you just lay down for 10 minutes, I actually, because I have this injury, I'm using this amazing sound wave machine that I just started um, using. It's not sound. You actually don't hear it. It, it. it puts sound waves into your body and it helps your muscles um, relax and it helps your circulation. It helps you heal from injury. So it's a 10 minute cycle. So I wake up and I lay on that for 10 minutes and you can't do anything else. You're just laying there. You're not supposed to use your phone or anything. So I'll lay there for 10 minutes and just visualize my day. I'll visualize uh, where I want to be in five years or where I want to be next year or even next month. And I just take that 10 minutes to kind of, you know, remind myself of the path that I am on and what I'm working towards. And um, so I think it's really important to just kind of take that time because then it's like you're in control a little bit, right? You can also do it at night. Nighttime's always a, a good time as well because you're winding down. So you just lay down for 10 minutes, shut your eyes and just get get that elevated feeling in your heart that oftentimes 
when, when our days are busy, we don't feel that, you know, we're just doing what's in front of us. But if we can start or end the day where we actually remind ourselves of who we are, where we're going in life, that puts us in the driver's seat a little bit more. You know, it's, you got to, I mean, it's so traumatic and you overcame all of this and you started to go back to work. You want to be a massage therapist. You absolutely love that. You did that. And then when you realized that once you started to do that, that that was not necessarily what you were meant to do. And then we get to version two, before we talk about your very best life, which you were living, and I'm sure you would argue that you still will be living. I just want to ask you about your kidney. You mentioned you lost your kidney function. Where did the replacement kidney come from? Um, it's funny. I haven't heard anyone call it a replacement kidney, but it's my dad. It actually came from my dad. I, once again, I just got so lucky and I look at it like, you know, I could easily have looked at it like, oh my God, terrifying. I have to go through a kidney transplant. And I had moments of that. I was, I, I was very scared to mess with my health anymore. Right. And losing your legs is one thing, but losing your kidneys, like an organ that you really, really need is another thing. So I was really, I was really scared to have this kidney transplant, but then I, uh, we tested everybody in my family to see if anybody was a match. My dad was the only match. And not only that, he was almost a perfect match, which normally you get these antigens from your parents and they match those antigens up. So you get three from your mom and three from your dad. But for me, I was able to get about five of these antigens from my dad where, where we matched up five out of six antigens. And that makes almost for a twin twin would have been, if I had a twin, it would have been a six out of six match. So my dad and I were almost a perfect match. And that was what gave me the confidence to actually do the transplant. I needed to do it. If I didn't do it, I would have been on um, dialysis the rest of my life, but I was also, you know, hesitant to go through another major surgery. However, I am so grateful that I did because I, I went through the surgery really well. I felt so good on the other side of it. Didn't even realize how sick I was in the first place until I started to feel good again. And then, um, you know, so when I had my transplant, the average kidney transplant only lasted nine years. Hmm. You go through this major, major surgery, you know, you're on immune suppressant medication and it only lasts nine years. And so they've always said it's a bandaid. It's not a fix. Well, my dad and I, we just celebrated our 20th anniversary a few months ago. Yeah. So, you know, and, and so every moment that I'm healthy, I'm grateful every moment that I'm healthy. I want to live my life. I want to use my life for the better good. I want to leave a positive impact on the world. I want to figure out the possibilities that kidney has been the greatest gift of my life, not just because of my health, but because of the perspective that it's given me. Wow. So then Amy, then these things, it starts to come together. Now you are starting to live your best life. You become a professional athlete. You have amazing success. You're traveling the world. Like what, what was version two? What did that look like? What was your life like at that point? So version two, I mean, once I was walking on prosthetics, figured out my legs, it took a while to, it took about a year and a half to get legs that fit really, really Mm. good, Wow! but they ended up fitting really good. 
good enough to, you know, I could, I went back to be a massage therapist and I worked, you know, full days, full eight hour days on my feet and really had no issues with my legs. But when I went back to work, which is what I really wanted to do, I had this feeling, this new feeling inside of me that I was meant to do more. There was more out there for me to do. It was actually kind of a frustrating, uh, nagging voice that wouldn't go away. And eventually I'm like, okay, well, what is it? What am I supposed to be doing? If I'm not supposed to be doing this massage, which I love, then what am I supposed to be doing? And it wasn't until my husband and I, we started a nonprofit organization called Adaptive Action Sports. My husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, uh, we started the organization because I started snowboarding again uh, with prosthetic legs. I actually made a pair of feet that I could snowboard in. I didn't make them from scratch. I kind of made these Frankenstein feet where I took parts from other brands and turned things around and I used a lot of duct tape and wood and these feet allowed me to snowboard again. And once I was able to do that, we wanted to help others do the same. And so we started our organization and we started training athletes with disabilities, how to snowboard. And we started putting events into, you know, the ESPN winter X games and the Toyota do tour and really started showcasing what these adaptive athletes could do. And then we pushed to get snowboarding into the Paralympic games and it was in the Olympic games, but it wasn't yet in the Paralympics. And the Paralympics are, are just the, the adaptive division of the Olympic games. And so we pushed for years to get it into the games. And in 2014, we found out that we did. And so once the race to get snowboarding into the games was over, I began the race to make the first ever U.S. Paralympic snowboard team. And I went on to compete in Sochi, Russia, uh, where I became the first female to ever bring home a bronze medal in Paralympic snowboarding. And then I went back for my second Paralympic Games in 2018, where I brought home another bronze medal and also a silver. Um, but I also went on to speak all around the world. I did a TED Talk that went viral launched me into a corporate speaking career. So I've spoke for the biggest brands in the world. And then, um, and then I was on the TV show, dancing with the stars. And I went on a speaking tour with Oprah and I wrote a book that became a New York times bestseller. And we bought a house and uh, I traveled the world. And I mean, you know, the last 20 years has really been uh, figuring out what the possibilities are. Right. And, uh, and the thing is, Amy, I could say right that right then and there, I could say it is one of the most astonishing journeys I have ever heard. Thank you so much. If people want to learn more, they can go to all the normal places. But we're not done and not even close, Amy, because at the very top, you did mention that you're dealing with something else. That was version two. And it is astonishing and it is amazing. But what happened next? What's version three? So version three hit about two years ago. And like I said, it's so fascinating to me that it hit right at the 20 year mark. It's like version one was 20 years, version two was 20 years. Now all of a sudden I'm stepping into this kind of new life and, and this new version of myself. And so I was living my best life, you know, before all this happened, before version three hit traveling, snowboarding, 
and feeling really good, feeling healthier than I ever have, feeling stronger than I've ever been. And I was doing a speech in Las Vegas and I felt this cramp in my left calf. Well, I didn't think too much of it. You know, you get used to a level of aches and pains with prosthetics. Um, I then had a flight in Nebraska to do a speech. So I grabbed crutches at the airport and got through the airport, flew to Nebraska, went on stage with crutches. I was thinking that the reason I was feeling this pain was that my prosthetic um, just wasn't fitting. I was thinking, well, maybe, I don't know, maybe I gained some weight. It was right after Christmas and I ate a lot. So I'm like, maybe I just need to get my prosthetic fixed. But the morning after the speech, I woke up in excruciating pain in my leg and I I sat up really quick, ripped off the sheets and realized that my leg was as white as the sheets that I was laying on. Um, and I realized in that moment, oh my gosh, my leg doesn't have any blood. And this is my leg um, from the knee down. So I've got about 12 inches from the knee down. Um, and so I scooted to the edge of the bed and, and rubbed my leg like crazy and got some blood flow going again. But I booked a flight out of there as quick as I could, flew to Denver where, I, where we live in Colorado now, went straight to the emergency room. And that's where I was diagnosed with a massive blood clot from almost my hip down every artery of my left leg. So my entire arterial system of my left leg um, had clotted off. And it's not a deep vein thrombosis, which you get from travel. This is even more rare than this. That, that's a, an arterial blood clot, which comes really just from injuring your artery. And I did injure my artery it, just months before I started to really feel a lot of pain behind the knee where my prosthetic would push in. And so what we realized is that my prosthetic, it had been pushing in behind my knee from snowboarding, from walking through airports, from just being super, super active. And also my prosthetic didn't quite fit that well. It shouldn't have been pushing in quite as much as it was. But over time, uh, that artery uh, just gave out. And when that happened, when it decided to uh, collapse, it created this massive blood clot just pretty much overnight. So uh, for the last two years, I have been, for the second time in my life, fighting to walk again. I've had 10 surgeries to first remove this blood clot, then expand the arteries. I've been through the hyperbaric oxygen chamber to help grow more arteries. Um, I've been through two revisions of my initial amputation where we've brought my leg a little bit shorter. Um, it has been such a wild journey to go from, you know, living my best life, but also working so long, so many years to get there, right? To now suddenly, oh my gosh, I guess this is a, another um, lesson I need to learn. You know, there's there's something else here to learn, and that's 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 what's keeping me, to be honest, moving forward through such a challenging time, is looking for looking for where I can grow, looking for what I can learn. Um, and, and version three has now of my life has now turned into helping others more. So, you know, version two was living my best life was living my possibilities. And now I'm really motivated to help others do the same. And this has kind of thrown me into that because 
I now, I now understand what chronic pain feels like. I never under, I never felt that before. Um, and I have a lot of people who follow me on social media who would reach out and say, Amy, I love that you're living your best life and it's so motivating and so inspiring, but I, I live in chronic pain every day. How do I do that myself? And, and I would always think, I don't know. I actually don't know because I've never experienced that. Well, now I've had moments where I have experienced that and how, how challenging that is. And so as I'm navigating discomfort and major uncertainty, not knowing, okay, am I going to snowboard again? What does that look like? I'm just taking baby steps, trying to move forward right now. But as I'm navigating it, I'm learning so much. And uh, that's actually why I launched a podcast called Bouncing Forward to help others um, through their experiences and challenges as well, just be able to share the things that I'm learning along the way. I, Amy, I'm truly overwhelmed hearing all of this, but in terms, and again, there's any number of things that I could follow up on and ask you, but in terms of launching that podcast, I do want to ask you this, and and again, 10 surgeries, just I, I can't even wrap my head around that, and that's just as part of what you're dealing with now, but as part of what you're dealing with now, you did spend a week in the hospital in Boston, and uh, alone, alone, and strangely, or maybe not strangely, something very special and something unique happened during that week. What did you do that week and what happened to you? So I was in Boston in January and I needed to do a second revision of my, my leg, which is basically another amputation. Basically, we decided to bring my leg a little bit shorter, just, just a couple centimeters shorter. But I... Um, I went into the hospital, you know, and because of COVID, uh, I couldn't have my my family with me. And they actually cracked down on that right as I was entering the hospital. So I thought that I was going to be have, going to be able to have my husband with me. And when I went in and checked in, they said that I had to go in by myself and he wouldn't be able to be there all week. No visitors at all. But also what happened was as we were driving up to the hospital, I found out that my grandfather had passed away. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so, you know, I was able to cry for a few minutes with my husband and then go right into surgery. And as I was being wheeled to surgery, I was thinking about my grandpa the entire time. And I was thinking, okay, like I might feel alone being here, but I'm not alone. I'm not alone. I, in fact, I might even be in the same space that he's in because I'm going under anesthesia and he had just passed a few hours before. And so I thought I just chose to believe my grandpa is with me along the way. So hmm. as when I woke up from that surgery, my, I, it was way more major than I expected. We ended up having to do a fat transfer to my leg and we did all this reconstruction and it was really intense to wake up to. But as I was laying there throughout the week, um, and I, and the first few days I was really scared. It made me really think about everybody, you know, dealing with COVID right now and not being able to see their family. Um, so I had a few really rough days where I wasn't just crying for myself. I was crying for everybody else in this situation. But then I started to realize, you know, what am I doing with my day? I, I wasn't on social media. I wasn't watching TV. I was lucky to have a beautiful room with a beautiful view. So I was kind of just gazing out the window. And I would think, oh my gosh, I've been actually just staring out the window daydreaming about my life for the last 
I don't know, six hours. And I did that every single day. And I got so excited. I got so excited about life. I got so excited about the possibilities. And so what I learned is that when we are distracting ourselves with our phone and with, you know, it's easy to distract ourselves. You know, you might be a parent and you've got kids. I mean, there's so many distractions that happen, but when we are distracted, we're not able to daydream. We're not able to visualize. And so by having that quiet time where it was just me and my thoughts, I had to go through the uncomfortable thoughts first, but when it was just me and just my thoughts, it, 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 that prompted me to think about my life and think about how I want to live my life and how I want to move forward. And so that's, I actually, launched my podcast when I was in the hospital. Mm. I launched my trailer and <laughs> it right away went to number 14 on the Apple charts. And um, I wrote like crazy. I wrote all these episodes. I wrote, I think I wrote a whole business plan in there. I wrote a speech in there, started writing different uh, things that I want in a future book. It just, it poured in this, this just kind of download of creativity poured in. And and I realized it really was because I cut myself off from the rest of the world and really gave myself time to think and to feel and to visualize and to daydream. And so now I try to bring that even more into my life because I realized, gosh, that's kind of all that was missing. You know, I, I hadn't felt inspired in quite some time because of all the injuries and surgery that I was going through. And then, and then I really did, I was more inspired than I've, than I've felt in a very long time. And so now, um, yeah, I mean, I just suggest that if, if you're stuck to figure out a way to take time for yourself, it could be in the morning, it could be middle of the day, it could be end of the day where you shut off all distractions and you just allow yourself to gaze out the window, just gaze out the window and Thoughts will come to you and you sort through those, but the longer you do it, the more you're able to start to, you know, think about things and think about your future. And I feel like that's where we get our most creative. Incredible. Like my takeaway from that, Amy, is that it, what should have been or could have been your darkest moments actually turned into your most inspired creative moments because you were within. You forced yourself just to be with yourself and to think deeply and intensely about that. Before you go, there's just a couple of things I have to ask you. And again, I'm just so amazed and so thank you for the, or so thankful for the time that we're spending. You said something to a mutual friend of ours, Ed Milet, that I absolutely loved. And it kind of plays off what you just said. You said, quote, you are rehearsing your life before it happens. I think it's as an amazing statement, a powerful statement. How do we rehearse our life before it actually happens? I mean, once again, I think it's, it's, it's thinking of where you want to be and, and allowing yourself to believe it. You know, it's very easy to get caught up in our day-to-day -day circumstances. It's really easy to think, well, I can't do that because I lost my legs. How the heck could I ever snowboard again? You know, you can get really caught up in what we can't do and the challenges that we're facing or you can just allow yourself to believe those daydreams, to let yourself think about the possibilities and to let yourself believe them. And when you do that, when you see yourself living your best moment or your best life, then you can start to break it down, kind of reverse engineer it and figure out, okay, how do I get there? I mean, it could even be, gosh, like, you know, if I, if I, 
okay, years ago, I was asked to speak on the Oprah stage and, and when I did a speaking tour with Oprah. It was the eight stop speaking tour. Oh my gosh. I was incredibly nervous, right? Like all of a sudden you doubting, bet. should I be there? Like she could pick a million other people and she chose me to be there. But what I would do is I would, you know, prepare what I was going to say and then I would visualize myself on that stage. And you don't have to close your eyes to visualize. You know, a lot of times I actually visualize with my eyes open. Like I said, I'm like looking out the window and I kind of go into this daydream. And so I'm, I'm visualizing myself standing on her stage and standing ovation. And, you know, I'm visualizing Oprah saying, that's the best speech I've ever heard. Like just literally the best best experience and moment that I could have. And then I, I choose to believe that, right? I choose, it hasn't even happened yet, but I'm choosing to believe that's how it's going to go. And what that does too, is it gives you confidence. It gives you actual confidence to go after the thing you want to go after because you just saw yourself doing it at your best. So that vision is so key to everything we do in our life, whether it's sports, whether it's, you know, stand on stage speaking, whether it's just being able to walk again. And that's something that I'm doing right now too. I'm visualizing myself walking. I'm visualizing what does that feel like? And, and having, um, you know, just feeling strong again, like that's where my vision's at. And, and it's, and it doesn't happen overnight. It is baby steps sometimes to get there, but as long as you are looking forward, that's where you're going to go. Okay. And that was the final thing that I wanted to ask you. And if you can give me a moment to kind of set this up, like you had this amazing life early and then suddenly it all changed in an instant and in reference to that, you said something recently that seems simple, but it's not easy. And it did, Amy, it stopped me in my tracks when I heard it. You said, quote, of course, it was the worst and hardest thing I had ever gone through. But then I moved on and I moved forward and life continued on. End of quote. Like, Amy, probably nobody listening right now will ever lose what you've lost. But I would imagine everybody listening right now has lost something, something that meant a great deal to them, maybe something that they still can't let go of, maybe something they're still holding on to. And maybe they never, ever get over that thing, whatever it is. It's such a powerful statement that you make. You move on. You move forward. Life continues on. And then something you said recently about your latest challenge, the one we're talking about right now, you said, quote, there is no way to go back to the way things were. And things were incredible, but this is the way things are now, end of quote. Like, frankly, it I get chills. How many people can't get over the way things were because things always change? So, Amy, finally, how do we get off that point and get to this point that this is the way things are now? We must move forward. We must move on. Life continues. How do we do this? You know, I think the biggest thing we can do is first of all, just, just try our hardest to accept where we're at. Like, like I said, early on, um, I mean, and acceptance is very, very hard to do. I understand, but early on I realized, you know, I can't go backwards. You can't, life isn't going that way. You cannot go that way. So all you can really do before even moving forward, before even visualizing your best life, right. Is to just accept where you're at today. And that takes work and that takes time to just realize this is what it is. And this is what I have to deal with. This is the reality. I'm not in denial of it. This is what I'm dealing with, but then, then take what you have and, 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 and know that 
I mean, just do the best, do the best with what you've got. I feel like there's so much more inside of us than we even know. We have so much more potential inside of us than we'll ever use no matter what challenges we're facing. So focus on what you have. I can say for me, getting where I'm at today had everything to do with not focusing on what I lost, but focusing on what I gained. And in fact, oftentimes I won't even say I lost my legs. I'll say I have two prosthetic legs because I'm focusing on what I have versus focusing on what I lost. So I challenge you to do that. You know, whoever's listening and whoever's going through a challenge is how can we change our perspective? How can we change the way we talk about our situation? Are we talking about loss or are we talking about gain? Are we focused on our loss or are we focused on what we've learned and how we've grown? And when you choose to focus on those things, and it's a choice, um, then you do train your brain to go there. So you train your brain to reframe situations, to you train your brain to reframe situations. You train your brain to look at things with a different perspective. Now, when negative things happen to me, um, I, you know, react probably how anybody else would for a minute. And then I instantly reframe the situation. I instantly change the perspective and I instantly go to a place of, what if this is here to help me? Or what if this is here so that I can grow from this? And so it's all about perspective, right? And the more that we do it, the more that we allow ourselves to take a step back and look at the whole picture and look at how can I use this moment to be a better person? Um, what can I focus on that I do have control over? I think these are the things that empower us and that move us forward. And, you know, it makes me just think that true resilience has nothing to do with bouncing back to where we once were, because clearly it's impossible. You're not going that way. It's about accepting what is and bouncing forward to all that we could be. I think, Amy, people who have listened to my sports talk show or even this project, which I started a couple of months back, might think, well, why is he starting this interview by saying how thrilled he is to talk to somebody he has not met, met and that she kicks ass and she's amazing? And I think now that we've come full circle, everybody understands why I started the interview, not with a question, but rather a statement, a series of statements. This is just so mind-blowing to me and so amazing. And I really am so grateful that we could have this conversation can you leave me with this thought? I saw you on Instagram the other day and you made the point that you were able to take the trash out for the first time on your own. These little <laughs> wins, how big are these little wins and how exciting was that? You know what? Little wins are huge. And it's so funny because that's something that I, I, I questioned at first, like, do I want to show this? Because yes. people know me as this athlete, right? People know me as someone who's like achieved great things and, you know, winning medals. And here I'm, I'm just showing that I'm taking the trash out. Right. But I'm like, no, I'm going to share this because you know how many people are out there who are struggling and just able to take the trash out, or maybe not even able to do that yet. And I'm thinking, you know, I want to bring people on this journey with me and, and, and it's these baby steps that eventually lead to those big big leaps, but you got to start somewhere. And so <laughs> I, I just thought, you know, I'm going to share this and I shared it in kind of a funny way. And it's amazing the people who stepped forward and they're like, yay, you know, like this is so exciting. And, and as almost weird and vulnerable as that can feel, cause I'm, I'm taking the trash out by myself. Um, 
it also, it just made me realize how important it is to share those vulnerabilities and those moments and the process because that's what we don't see enough on social media. We see people standing on the podiums with their medals, but you don't always see how did that person get there? Or for me, you saw me on Dancing with the Stars with two prosthetic legs and it's amazing, but you did not see all the years that went into getting there and making my legs and having setbacks and all the things that went into that. So this is my way of sharing the process because ultimately, I mean, it's all about the process, not really the outcome. So I hope that I hope that that's what I'm able to share. I am so glad that you said that and that we can end on that because you're right. Oftentimes we only see the end result. We only see the accomplishment. I could not wait to ask you about taking out the trash. So that that (laughs) absolutely hit the mark. And again, I will reiterate, I think that you're amazing. I think that you do kick ass. I cannot tell you how thrilled I am that you made the time for this, Amy. I I appreciate it so much. I mean, it was just such a thrill to meet you and to talk to you. I I feel like I I know you're changing the world because I've feel dramatically changed from that 45 minute conversation. So I don't even know how to thank you at this point, other than to say it one more time. Thank you so much. I want to make sure that all my listeners know that you spell your last name P-U-R-D-Y. So when they go looking for you, they know where to find you, but just an absolute pleasure and an honor to know you and meet you, Amy. And thank you so much for that. Thank you so much, Jim. It's been an honor for me as well. I mean, I don't even know where to begin. Well, for one, and this should be quite obvious by now, I think the world of Amy, and I'm so pleased and grateful that she devoted so much time to appearing on this pod. Now, in terms of some of my biggest takeaways, after that conversation, I'm already rethinking what I thought it meant to reinvent. I mean, I thought I was actually trying pretty hard to reinvent myself, focusing on mind, body, and spirit. And then I listened to Amy share her experiences and mindset while describing how she has overcome and continues to overcome traumatic challenge after challenge. And then I'm almost embarrassed to say that I'm on a mission of reinvention. She completely redefined my entire view of reinvention, what it means to reinvent, the commitment it requires, and the depths to which we must look within to achieve it. And what we're all truly, truly capable of if we exercise true courage grit, gratitude, optimism, and then do the actual work. I walked out of that studio and I was literally transfixed for hours by what I had just heard. In fact, I actually still am. Her message and ability to communicate it somehow transferred on some level to me. Like I could somehow feel her energy flow. It almost put me into the type of flow state that Amy discussed that she entered into that week she was in the hospital in Boston where she didn't pick up her phone or watch TV and then took what should have been one of her darkest moments ever and instead experienced many of her most inspired and creative ones instead. Rare is the time that you're actually moved by a speaker, but this was so much more dramatic than even that. It's hard to even explain, but I'm willing to bet anything I have that I'm not the only one who felt that way during and after that conversation. There are so many specific points that Amy discussed that I could reflect upon right here, but I want to once again reiterate something I asked her about at the end of that conversation. I am frankly incredulous that she overcame what she overcame and then went on to live 20 of the most extraordinary years ever And not only that, but spent so much of that time empowering others, lifting them up, and making the world a better place, only to have life attempt to drive a stake right through her again. I mean, how is that fair? Why do horrible things happen to unbelievable people? 
And why do unbelievable things happen to, frankly, horrible people? I don't know, but I get the sense Amy herself did not ask why. Not when it happened the first time and not when it happened again. Instead of thinking, why me? Why did this happen to me again? She quickly reframed it and accepted that this is how it is. This is the way things are now. There is no going back. It was incredible. It will always be a part of my life and my journey, but the journey changes yet again. And now it's time to grow, transform, and reinvent once again. Yes, this is the greatest challenge I've ever faced in a life of insane challenges, but I will do what I've always done. I will move on, move forward. Life continues on, and so will I, and I will grow, and I will transform myself yet again. That's Amy's message. And frankly, honestly, it shook me to my very core. It is so powerful. Amy is a true force of nature and an extremely special person. And thanks to Amy and that conversation, I've taken yet another step in this journey and in understanding the meaning of true reinvention. And I hope you feel the same way. If so, please feel free to subscribe, leave a review, share the episode, and hit me with your comments and give me any feedback you might have. Truly, it means everything to me. I appreciate you all very much. Have an amazing week, and I will see you all right back here for F12 of the Reinvention Project. Talk soon. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.